This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I'm sick with this, I'm sick with this. Since you went to the bottom, I just missed. My arms went down, didn't teach what I found. I didn't recognize you for this anymore. I don't want to be defeated, I don't want to be defeated, I don't want to be defeated, I don't want to be defeated. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the show, of the podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your delightful host, as always, Shane Told. It is very good to have you on this fine Tuesday morning. I am chilling at home. I I feel like I have been on tour forever. But I am now here. We finished the tour off in one of my favorite places, Las Vegas. Before that, we played in San Diego. Two incredible shows. Beautiful weather. And I think I brought it back because I landed. And here in Windsor, Ontario, all the snow has melted. All, every little bit of it. It was, there was a lot of snow here. It was cold as fuck. And now it is like 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, I am just loving this little break that I am having. Just I'm just chilling, man. I'm just chilling in my office. This is wonderful. And now is the time I can focus on this show again, uh, among other things. And I'm feeling really, really great about this week's episode with John Cooper of Skillet of Fight the Fury. This This guy is... Wow, there is so much here to talk about. This is action-packed, and John couldn't be a nicer guy. What a sweetheart. It was a pleasure to talk to him, and I just sit back and enjoy this entire story and just this personality because, wow, this was absolutely amazing. If you want to, you can always get in touch with me. My email address is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. Calm, and uh, the hate line is open as well. If you're not so happy, feel free to call the hate line. Leave me a message: six five seven six 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 H A T E. A couple good hate line clips came in. Not as many as I would like. There's never as many as I would like. But if you got something, if you got some hate for me, feel free to give me a call. Again, that is six five seven six 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 H A T. Oh, what else? Yes, social media. Follow me on there. Instagram is at Shane Told, and the show is at Lead Singer Syndrome. Twitter, at Lead Singer Sin, S-Y-N. And I don't usually like to push this on people, and I'm not pushing this on people, by the way. But I've been asked, so I will tell. Yes, next week is my birthday. I am turning 38 years old. It's really scary when it comes out of your mouth. Damn, I don't feel 38. I feel like... I'm just as stupid as I was when I was 18, you know? People think, oh, you know, you're going to get older, you're going to be smarter, you're going to make less mistakes. No, I'm just as dumb as I always have been. But hey, it is my birthday on February 13th, and I do have an Amazon wish list with a bunch of crap. If anybody wants to get me anything, now I'm not pushing anyone to do this. People have asked, people like to get me things, and of course, it's always nice to get presents for your birthday, so I will plug the link. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash wishlist, and uh, yeah, there's just a, there's a whole bunch of stuff on there. If you want to buy me a Rolex, you can buy me a Rolex, okay? I won't be mad about it, but that's the link in case you are feeling into it. Of course, there's also the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club, which would be a great birthday present for me if you joined. So check that out. We have a lot of new members rolling in. Last month, actually, we had more new members join than any month previously, almost one per day, which I don't know. I don't know what if I'm doing things right or what it is. Maybe my pitch is getting better, but it is awesome. There's a lot of perks for a very low price, and it is what keeps this thing going. So Head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. You can read all about the different stuff on there. I won't go on and on about it, but uh, check it out because it is really cool. Tons of bonus content and a great community. Shout out to all my sinners 
worldwide. Also, I talked about it last week, but I just got to show a little more love to rockabilia.com because they had me and our drummer Paul over to their beautiful office in Minnesota. This place is huge. They have so much great stuff. They let us rate it. They got us a cake. Frankie was just such a sweetheart. It's just good to know that a company that's supporting me that I, you know, I've supported for now, what has it been, a, a couple years? Just to know they're good people, that they have great products. Um, it was it was just a beautiful experience. So again, I know there's an ad before the podcast and everything else, but I just want to make sure you guys know what Rockabilia does for this show and just just how great they are. And again, there is a promo code PC Jabberjaw, and that'll save you ten percent off your entire order today. So head over to rockabilia.com for. I mean, whatever you want, they've got it. I mean, it's that place is crazy. It's like stacked floor to 20-foot ceiling, probably higher actually. Just, I don't even know how many square feet. It is absolutely insane. So if you want it, they got it. Check it out at rockabilia.com. Well, all right, let's get into it with this week's guest, John Cooper of Skillet and Fight the Fury. Hello. John, how you doing? How's it going? I'm I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. Awesome. I'm, uh, where are you at? You're so you're in the studio. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the studio. Um well with Skillet actually, not nice. not Fury. And um we're about I think we're about four weeks from being done on this this project, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hear some I heard some rock uh Maybe it's a bit of a spoiler when I first picked up the phone. It actually sounded like you were listening to Metallica and Justice for All. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's well, just the raw <laughs> the raw that's recording. The best compliment you could ever give me. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so this is uh well this I mean we'll we'll talk about that first, I guess. Um you're doing so much stuff right now. You're a busy guy. You've always been a busy guy. Uh but what is this album number ten for Skillet? Number eleven? Yeah, I I feel like it might be ten, but but I was starting to familiar that last time people said it was ten, so it might be eleven. I'd have I, I counted. Count you know what? I got <laughs> there was a discrepancy, and I counted, and I only counted nine. But you got to make sure this okay. is right because this is the, like number ten. That's a big deal, you know. Double digits. I know you're right. You're right. Oh, let me see. Wait. All right. Self-titled. Hey, you, invincible, <laughs> alien, you, collide, comatose, away. Rise, unleash. This will be our tenth record. Number ten. Yeah, tenth. Uh, you know what they call a studio album, or whatever you yes. want to call it. Yes, yes. Crazy. So four weeks away. How how uh, how long do you typically spend on an album to to kind of get? Well, and how do you do it? It's a good question. I mean, some bands go into the studio like uber yeah. prepared. All the songs are done. Some you know bands have almost nothing. Some bands have a little bit. How do you how do you uh, kind of do it? <laughs> well. As you know from from your music, uh, the, the whole recording process. Uh, not only does everybody have their own way to do it, but uh, it's changed so much. Um, yeah, used to be that you know you set aside those two months and you go into the stu- you know you're off the road, so you can clear your head. Mm-hmm. You've hopefully written at least a lot of your songs, and you go in, <laughs> you dive in. And then hopefully you kind of get this magic and, and you finally get your sounds. And once you get your sounds, you you finally feel like you're rolling. That's the fun part. The hard part is always the sounds. That's changed so much because there's so much writing uh, on the road. The technology has made it so easy yeah. to, to record. So I'm always recording now on the road the whole time. I've been uh, doing my skillet demos for like two years. Uh, yeah. And at the same time, I recorded my Fight the Fury album on actually on the road as well, just because I'm like, well, why not? I'm instead of paying thousand dollars a day to go sit in some studio and try to get the right whatever tone, um, it's all at your fingertips now. So my process now has been mainly 
I find that when I'm on the road, I'm in a really good place because, uh, you know, I get to see the fans. I mean, that's the best part is talking to these people about how the songs have helped them or what the songs mean sure, to them. Sure. And then I get really inspired and I start writing and I always find that that's my best inspiration. Interesting. And so I've been just been writing on the road. Yeah, and really having a good time doing that. And then I turned it in and all the... <laughs> Oh, sorry. I just lost you a second. You turned into a robot. Say that again. Oh, I'm sorry. I said that way when I turned the song in, the label hates it. I didn't spend all that much money on it. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's funny. You know, so many bands and I'm a musician myself, you know, I can't really write on the road. I just find I need to separate those two kind of entities, you know, like how you mentioned yeah. Take two months and clear your head. That's way more my speed when I'm making an mm. album than than okay. I just came off stage with this just this energy and this you know adrenaline that is a live show to try to channel that into what you said. It makes total sense, and, and yeah. I love that you can do that. But I just I I find that myself and a lot of people that I've talked to they can't make that separation. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I used to not, and I, I used to be really like bullish to my manager about like, you know, my label wants, you know, 50, 70 songs and I'm on the road the whole time trying to, you know, that's where we all make a living at. And so you're, you're you, you can't just get off the road for a year because right. the label always wants more stuff. And so I ended up kind of being forced to do it. When I began to learn how to do my own recording, uh, I started finding the fun in it, and then I was like, you know, I guess for some reason I used to be that way, and I don't, I don't really know why it changed or what changed, but it, but it kind of did, and I, and then I don't really know why. Some of it might may have been because I was kind of forced to, because uh, typically on a Skillet album we're turning in fifty or seventy songs, and I mean, it takes you a year to write that many songs. So if you're if, if you're waiting and to get into yeah. the headspace, you're you're going to lose all. You're going to lose money. You're going to lose the momentum from the fans, uh, taking a year off from the roads a long time, you know? So Absolutely. I mean, 50 to 70 songs is kind of blowing my mind, to be honest with you, John. Like, I, I w- w- with my band, and again, I, I hate to relate everything back to myself, but, you know, hey, oh, this sure. is, hey it's my fucking show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, we write, if we put out a 12-song record, we write about 12 songs, maybe up to 50. Yeah. We don't, we don't write songs that we know we're never going to see the light of day. And, and, and yeah. th- there's that side of it, but also, you know, you're, I've heard, I think it was you or your wife in an interview say, you're the biggest selling band you've never heard of, Skillet is, right. <laughs> you know, uh, you, but you have a tremendous amount of success over a very long period of time, more than 20 years. Why is the label still telling you what to do? Well, I mean, at this point, everybody's got a lot at stake. You know, there's a lot of money being put into the band. We, we kind of were at that point when, you, you know, do you kind of become, uh, let's see, how much do we do we need a label? You know, I guess is yeah. the question. Um, do you do you want to make your own records, do your own imprint? You know, what do you want to do? And I yeah. think that it was mutually beneficial for us to stay with the label and they wanted us to and and there there are some big benefits and and they've been very good to us in a lot of ways they've been a fantastic radio department and yeah. and uh, and a lot of things that we we really are useful you know and so but i think at this point because of the way it works there's just a lot riding on the record the amount of money that's being spent everybody kind of wants to get their fingers in and and to tell you the truth i'm really not and and uh I mean, I'm extremely opinionated, like all musicians, and uh, <laughs> <Come by laughs> maybe it, not. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I'm the most humble person in the whole world, but I, but I'm not really arrogant, and I kind of I kind of understand that if I write 50 songs, I think that all 50 are hits, and I know that's not true. Um, I honestly have no idea when I write a terrible song or when I write a good one. They all mean something to me, you know. Right. And uh, and to me, I'm like. <laughs> they say how many songs you turn it in I said I got 30 this time Are any of them good I'm like yeah they're all smashes and uh, guess what they're not you know so I, <laughs> I kind of like I like having people help me um, and sift through now there comes a point when I'm like okay 
uh, nicely, as nice as I can, get your, get your fingers out of the pie now, you know, I, I want to make my own record, and, and they've been very good to kind of let me do that as well, but I'm always pushing myself, 50 songs is a little too much, um, which frankly is part of what led me to doing my Fight the Fury right. project, I'm sure, which, I'm sure. yeah, which was kind of like, you know what, I, I want to write some songs that nobody has to mess with. I mean, I recorded on my own. The budget is so small. I can't imagine them give anybody giving me a hard time about it. And uh, I can record it and have fun. And and really went back to some of my metal roots for for that project. Definitely, ride the lightning era stuff that I there really love. Yeah, that I don't <laughs> really get to. Uh, I don't get to. You know, hardly anybody gets to do in a three minute radio song these days. Yeah. And you got you got to have that radio song. And it's, but but sometimes you miss out on what I think is cool about rock and and metal, especially. Absolutely. Well, that's that's a great segue. I mean, uh, you know, it's true because if I'm a huge fan of a band and I read in an interview, oh yeah, you know, we wrote uh, 50 songs for this record. I'm thinking to myself, well, I, I'm a fan of the of this guy, this guy's songwriting of this band. Where are the other? Uh, 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 twenty, uh, sorry, thirty-eight songs or whatever. You know, uh, I want to hear those songs. Like it's such a, it's a, it's what happens to these songs? And I guess you're, to answer your question, some of them now exist in Fight the Fury. At well, least parts. yeah, yeah, parts of them for sure. Um, one of the songs on Fight the Fury is called "I Cannot." Yeah. I wrote, yeah, I wrote that chorus for Skillet. Uh, three records ago and I, I just every time a new record comes around I rewrite the song you know you, you, know, you try to update with the times a little bit I tweak it a little bit send it in and it never gets chosen and I'm like screw it I'm going to write a really heavy verse so that is a little bit why the you know the verse comes across you know very kind of screamy which is something that Skillet you know, probably wouldn't do that much shouting um, yeah. but the chorus has a lot of Skillet elements to it in the lyrics and in the melodies and some of it I can just I can make it a little bit more aggressive and and not not worry uh, about polishing it up and, and use it for fury that could be a really cool thing so Absolutely. that's a little bit how that started no that that song actually stood out to me as as a a, a, a very great song on on the EP um, oh cool yeah it's funny though right like there's two schools of thoughts there's two schools of thought with that it's like okay if this song if I keep going back to this song there must be something there right. Or right. if it keeps getting rejected, <laughs> then maybe I'm just full of shit. Like, you know, there's nothing there. <laughs> exactly. Which, you know, right? It's, it's, uh, that's such a funny thing, you know, that I think uh, as an artist, you don't really know. You sometimes don't know which side of the coin it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it is absolutely true. I mean, I think you have to have a measure of – it's a funny business. You have to have a measure of humility to know that you know, you might be expressing something that means a lot to you and it might be wasted on everyone else. <laughs> or they might be like, wow, that means a lot to you, but it's just really bad. Um, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to find a lot of <laughs> unsuccessful musicians out there who are convinced they're no good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yeah. You're not going to find, they're, they're not going to be, conv- they're going to be convinced they're really good and no one gets it or they didn't get the opportunity. And, and, and the truth is, is it's so subjective. <laughs> they might be really good. It just might not have worked out. And so, of course. you know, you have to have a measure of humility, but you also got to have a measure of, of, you know, balls that, that you go, you know what, I'm putting this out and, and if nobody likes it, nobody likes it. And I've done that before in, in my, Fight the Fury project was a little like that. There was a number of people going, "Why? Are you, why are you doing this? Uh, your fans are going to think this is silly because it's just so heavy, or or it's so different, or they, you've already got a band. Why start another band?" And and I was like, "You know what? Corey Taylor does it. I'm going to do it too." <laughs> <laughs> There's the real answer. No, I, well, I mean, it was. Either, I figured it was either that. You know, getting the expression out, or maybe you just need a breather from your wife once in a while. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, right? You've been in a band with her for 20 years. You know, your kids are on the road. It's like, okay, maybe, honey, I love you, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know what's funny is that, that I think that my wife is the biggest Fight the Fury fan there is. I, I, probably because it reminds her of like my early years, you know, when we first met, I had my own band that was, you know, Skillet was even a little heavier, a little bit more, I would say just stripped down rock in the beginning. So for her, 
it kind of feels like taking it back to uh, the John that she kind of grew up with. And uh, so she's actually a really big fan. But yeah, it was really to do with, I have some songs, I could kind of, I could pop them up a little bit and I could make some of them skillet songs. Um, but I, they just didn't feel right. It felt like it was the wrong thing to do to, do to the tune. So they wanted to have their own life. And, uh, and, and with Fight the Fury, I get to do things that Skillet would never do. You know, it's like Fight the Fury is very riffy and um, some of it is, it's not overly complex, but we, we touch into a little bit of prog here and there, which yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of. And that's just not something Skillet really does. No, no, absolutely. I think it's great. I think the project does make sense, though. I mean, people asking you why you're doing it. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. I think it's a it's the right distance away uh, from Skillet to where it's different, but it's still something that I think definitely will service your fans. You know that are that well. Are thank you. I appreciate that. Now they're anxiously awaiting this uh, album number ten. So uh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, I I wouldn't mind if you don't mind going back. To the beginning, because I love sure. to talk about the origin of of lead singers and how we all got here to wherever <laughs> we are now. And, and I talk to people at all different points of their career, uh, but it isn't every day I get to talk to somebody that's, you know, sold millions of albums and, uh, you know, put out so many records and has such a unique story now, um, you know, married to the guitar player in their band, has kids on the road. Like, I want to get to all this stuff. <laughs> But I really want to take it back just to where it all started. And w- one thing I think that if you ask anybody about your band, Skillet, they go, oh, well, they're a Christian band. You know, and, and obviously sure. that's, that's been an important part of your whole entire life. So why don't you go back and talk to me about, you know, y- your childhood and how music came in along with, with your faith and, you know, your whole family upbringing and how, how that kind of led you uh, in, sure. in your early days. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I've got a really funny story that that you may not know. You might have heard uh, here or there, but um, I was raised in a Christian family, but very, very religious, uh, uh, strict. And um, first time, my mom was a piano teacher uh, and a voice teacher. And the first time I ever heard music outside of like church or my mom's, you know, you know, opera or whatever she was doing at the house, classical music. The first time I ever heard music was my friend down the street had gotten MTV and, and I didn't know what MTV was. You know, I was a kid and yeah. he's like, it's, it's music videos. And I was like, what, what is a music video? And he's like, well, here, check it out. So we turn on the TV. The very first song I ever hear is Beat It by Michael Jackson. There you go. Uh, which I, I, I was just floored. You know, oh, I was. It's, I, it's just so such great. a great riff, too, right? Oh man, yeah. Then back when pop music had guitar solos and riffs. Mm-hmm. And anyway, um, uh, and of course, you know, iconic album Thriller. But I was so jazzed about this music. I thought my mom loves music. She's going to love it when I come home singing Michael Jackson. <laughs> and I came home and I sang this song to her, and my mom gave me a, the holiest butt whooping you, you've ever heard of <laughs> because I was singing the devil's music, and uh, and I, I was like, what is going on? So it was a very early age. Rock and roll was banned. Uh, drums are banned. Drums were, you know, the, the, the devil's beat, and uh, guitars, and long hair, and everything cool I couldn't do. And so, when I uh, was about sixth grade, is when I was uh, at my buddy's house, my best mate, and uh, he's like, dude, he's like, you've got to hear this, and he puts on Metallica, oh, uh, which I, I'd never heard, you know, and uh, man, I, it was just a game changer. It was one of those moments where I'm like, this is maybe the very best thing in my whole life. Do you remember what song or album it was? Uh, one. Oh, that's funny. That's the first one uh, I ever heard, too. Oh, well, that was, I guess, the that was such a legendary song, and yeah. the drums, and the whole thing. It was just such yeah. a new thing. I'd never heard Metallica, and that was the song that he played for me from, uh, you know, Justice, of course. Yeah. And um, it was it was all, it was just game changer. And so I uh, knew I couldn't bring Metallica home to my parents. But, I mean, um, and all of my friends, you know, music was such an important part of people's lives in the 80s and 90s. Uh I think a little bit in a different way than it is now. And so we'd go to the weight room and listen to to the crew and, and uh, even, even some of the popular stuff like Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, yeah. 
and but then you, you we got into ACDC and I started finding out all this great music and it just really changed me. Now moving from that, I was complaining to one of my other friends that I couldn't listen to Metallica. My parents wouldn't let me and my friend said, well, you know there's Christian rock music and I said, no, I didn't know that and he gave me a tape from a, a Christian band called Petra who at the time was a very big Christian Pet- rock Petra? Band. Yeah, P-E-T-R-A. That's, yeah, that's the name of my cat, so... Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) And I've never heard of the band. (laughs) (laughs) Say this interview is definitely, it was, you know, in the stars. Uh, Anyway, uh, so, you know, long story short, I brought this tape home thinking, okay, my parents don't know there's Christian rock music and they're going to be really happy. And I was wrong. And my mom, (laughs) you know, again, just oh freaked out and christian rock was even worse than normal rock because it was uh wolves and sheep's clothing you know they were oh, pretending yeah. to be good guys but they were bad guys you know and so that was really hard for me and and that is when the first time it clicked to me okay not everything my parents are saying is really true you know uh, <laughs> it was yeah, that yeah. kind of moment for me because i was very committed to the christian faith but all of a sudden this was seeming different to me and so from there is when I fell in love with Christian rock music, and it was a real alternative for me. It was something that I could listen to um, in my conscience and feel good, knowing, yeah, my parents are going to be PO'd, but I feel good about this. And right, uh, right. It was that kind of a thing. But at my friend's house, I, um, I started singing in my first band. We, I was 13, and all my friends were playing cover bands, and so... I'd learn all the lyrics to One and, and Bon Jovi and all that, and Van Halen, and, and I would sing the songs over there, but I couldn't bring the tapes home, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny. So, uh, I, I, get, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, if you're not allowed to have, you know, drums or, I mean, did you have a guitar or a bass or anything at the house? No, no, I didn't start playing guitar till after I, I graduated high school. Oh, wow, okay. I moved, yeah, I moved out on my own. But I, I was writing music, I was, you know, singing, and I played piano. Um, and I also played trombone. Some people don't know that. Uh, maybe lots. Um, yeah. But I, I played the trombone that. for, yeah, all the way through co- through college, had a scholarship and stuff for that. So I was kind of quite musical. Um, and so, you know, honestly, when I was 18, I was like, I think I could probably figure out how to play guitar. Um, and that's when I began playing guitar and bass, but I, I was quite old to be starting the, the those instruments. Um, did you so have any brothers kinda, and sisters or anything? Yeah. I had an older brother and a younger brother. And what did they think about, you know, rock music and stuff like that? I, I, you know, Tell you the truth, I don't really know. I mean, we're we're close and stuff, but I probably wouldn't want to put words in their mouth. I think we all thought it was. I think in general, it'd be safe to say we all thought that their 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 weird thing on rock and roll was really over the top. And oh yeah, yeah. Didn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, my older brother was just a huge old music fan, like the Beatles and early uh, like early Tom Petty and Bob Dylan. So he was more into that era of stuff and i was like i was just mr metalhead you know slayer and the whole thing um so that's probably why christian music meant so much to me is that i I never once thought you know yeah christianity is stupid i always was into christianity i just thought all these rules that people are saying those rules are kind of stupid and so that's kind of what part of what set me out for my mission of playing christian music was this music was really there for me, helped me during hard times in my life, and and I'd like to do that for other people. Absolutely. Uh, what are your parents? Are your parents still with us today? What do they think of the whole uh, thing now? Well, that's actually I you know I, I didn't even mention that my mom actually passed away when I was 15, fourteen or fifteen oh. around that time, um, and that is probably another thing that made it a little easier for me to kind of begin to write my own rock music. She wasn't really around. You know, my dad was working. I could kind of start to do a little bit more what I wanted to do, but there did become a hard decision in my life. And and this might not sound hard to some people, but um, when I was, you know, I graduated high school and I was setting out to start my own band and, and this whole thing. And, and, and there was a lot of pressure from, you know, my, my extended family about, you know, you're, you're, uh, what you're doing is hurting your mom in heaven and she never wanted this for you and you're going against her and you're going against God and you're the devil's instrument and, and this and that. And I just felt, 
you know, again, I think most people in my situation would probably run from the religion, but I, I just thought that what they were saying was stupid. And I, I knew that God was real in my life. I knew he was truth to me. Um, and I knew that he had helped me through, through my mom's death and, and subsequently all these other things. But I just felt I know I'm meant to do music and I have to – sometimes you got to go your own way, you know? Yeah, that Fleetwood Mac said it. Yeah, there you go. Damn, That's right. Dude, uh, <laughs> yeah, wow, wow. That is, that is crazy. And I mean, now, if you're in tech, you've been there before. Feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and MapMyFitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone, and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit and then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B U Y R A Y C O N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buy Raycon.com slash LSS. You have, you have two children. Um, how old are they now? They must be getting uh, yeah, teenagers. Like, yeah, 16 and 13. 16 and 13. And yeah. I guess when you were raising them, it was about as far polar opposite as the way you were raised, uh, <laughs> right? I mean, you're talking about yeah. you brought them on tour. Um, oh yeah, they were man, there. Yeah. They, they were, they, you know, they were getting an education, <laughs> the school of rock, um, literally. Uh, what, what was going through your head when all this happened? I mean, was going on? You have you have kids. You have to make ends meet. Your wife's in the band. I mean, it, it seems to make logical sense. You know what you you've done, or I guess continue to do. Um, but it is, I mean, it's normal for you, but it's definitely far from normal. (laughs) It is. It's been a crazy life. I mean, uh, and I kind of need to rewind and say one more thing. Sure, sure. Yeah. And playing, uh, and playing Christian music, I never, I was a little naive of the business and I never realized that if I wanted to be, uh, uh, you know, quote Christian band, that that would that, in other words, I didn't know I had to be either a Christian band or just a rock band. Oh, I didn't yeah. really know I had to choose one. I was like, yeah, Christian music has been great for me. I'm going to do a band and I'll sing about stuff I believe in. Uh, not necessarily all religious, just stuff that I feel. And uh, 
and we might do, you know, some, some Christian stuff and we'll do some rock stuff. And it, it became evident after our first album that, that if you're a Christian band, you're not going to be easily accepted into the rock world because it's, it's kind of a different animal. And, um, yeah. So I was like, Oh, I didn't really know. <laughs> this is a little dumb of me, but I didn't really realize that I never wanted to sing only to Christian people or only about religious things, you know? Um, and, and so I found that a little bit, uh, illuminating and maybe a little bit disillusioning actually. Uh-huh, sure. And yeah. And so, you know, after, after a while we, we, we finally were able to break out of just, you know, playing Christian shows or being called a Christian band that we were a rock band. And we all of a sudden were touring with, at the time, some of the early bands that took us out were like uh, Flyleaf and Three Days Grace and, and Breaking Benjamin and Shine Down. And all of a sudden we were playing with rock bands and, and in a whole different world. And, and it was just, uh, it's really what I always wanted to do. It felt like home to me, you know? Absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah, so bringing the kids... There was no choice. Uh, we had to bring the kids. <laughs> and yeah, I'll tell you, you haven't seen anything, anything until you've seen, uh, you know, my seven-year-old uh, daughter playing Barbies with Maria from in this moment. You know, that, that, that's about the coolest thing that, you know, that I can remember going. I, I just love being able to teach my kids, hey, here's who we are. Here's what we believe. And a big part of of what we believe is that you're supposed to love people. It doesn't matter if they are atheist or agnostic or whatever religion they are, whatever they think, it doesn't matter how they treat you. You got to love people. And, and I think they've had a really great life experience because uh, they can talk to anybody because they've been around the world and met all kinds of unusual yeah. folks. <laughs> That's to say the least, I'm sure. Well, they're at the age now, you said 16 and 13, I think. Uh, uh, 13 and 16. Yeah, you got 16, it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, teenagers, a lot of teenagers want their independence. They don't want to be with mom and dad all the time. What's going on now? Are they, are they staying home? Are they kind of having more um, regular sort of high school life? Or are they still coming on the right. bus and, and doing the whole the whole touring thing, homeschooling yeah. and everything? No, they still come on the road with us. And, and probably because of our lifestyle and, and whatnot, but, you know, we're very just a really tight family yeah. and the kids, you know, they want to be with us because they, they, maybe because they've been, you know, done school on the road and they've grown up with us. They don't really like the idea of not being around us for, for long, you know, which is yeah. nice. Um, I'm very lucky like that. We're, we're very tight with the kids and uh, they love being on the road and getting to meet people and hang out with bands at catering and, and getting to watch awesome bands. You know, we toured with seven dust a few years ago and my, my son, we, they played their fir- very first show, first song they played, and my son's like, this is the best song I've ever heard. <laughs> you know what, kids get to grow up go, going to Seven Dust concerts every day, you know? So it, it was, uh, we've been very lucky, and also, I mean, I got to give a, a plug to all the great bands we tour with, because they just treated my kids really well. I mean, it's not always wonderful having kids on tour if you show up and one of the opening bands has their little babies, you know, uh, that could be a pretty bad situation, but everybody was always so great. Um, I, th- never I think it's weird. fantastic. I, I mean, I don't know if I can remember ever touring with bands that brought like little kids. Um, well, they, it, it can be annoying who, if the kids are annoying. Oh, the kids are running and punching and screaming true. at people. That's pretty bratty and annoying. I guess so, I guess so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about it like that. I always just think of somebody bringing their kid down for the day and like, I just love kids. So, you know, oh, I, love, cool. I love that when that happens. I think most people feel that way, that way too. Uh, do your son or daughter have any, show any interest or prowess in, in this whole musical thing? They, they play anything or, uh, you know, I don't do the think so. Or anything? They they do they both play piano because they like music, but it's funny that they're very creative in other ways. They both write stories and oh, yeah. they yeah they create all sorts of worlds and characters. And, and, and my daughter is quite a talented writer. Um, wow, I'm not sure if either one of them would want to actually do music or not as of yet. Not really sure. Oh, okay, very very interesting. Um. Crazy man. So, so with this fight, the Fury Project, is it? Is it? Would you say that it's more of you know? You, you talked a little bit about how there's the 
you got to choose a side almost. Whether you want to be a Christian band, rock band, or you want to be just a right. regular rock band. Do you feel like with Fight the Fury, you have to make that choice? Or is that choice already made for you? Oh, right. Well, you know what? That's a great question. I think the answer is both. The choice was kind of already made for me because uh, there's you can't you can't go back in time and 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 take the Christian name away from John Cooper, mm-hmm. um, the Christian band name, and and I'm not saying I'd want to anyway. So in a certain way, I'll never get kind of away from that. But I did kind of say. I don't want Fight the Fury to be a Christian band. We're not doing any Christian dates. I don't do uh, – I'm not saying I'd never do a Christian interview, but I'm not really wanting to because I, I think that the motive of the band is a little bit different. Fight the Fury is just about metal. It's about riffs. It's about musicianship and angst, and, uh, and, and it's kind of a different thing. So all that to say, I did make a decision that it would not be a Christian band or affiliated in that sort of way, but – Obviously, people will always make a connection to Christianity because of me, which I'm proud of. Right. Of course, you can't change who you are, especially especially after all these all this time and all these albums. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I think is really cool that you're doing, and I don't know if you're going into this with some trepidation or if you're excited about it, is the double duty of both bands playing with Benj- uh, Breaking Benjamin this March. Yeah. Uh, I saw I saw that and I thought that was very cool. And you got a little yes. bit of a break when Under Oath plays. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but what, what have you done anything like this before? What's uh, what are your thoughts? No, I haven't. Uh, how I'm did it thrilled about? about it. I'm really thrilled about it because I really want Fight the Fury to be its own, you know, living band uh, as opposed to just something we did for fun. I actually, you know, very serious about it, and I like the idea yeah. of having a full length come out and touring it for a year and not doing skillet maybe for, you know, eight months or 10 months and, and see if there's really some life here. Uh, again, um, uh, a little bit like what Slipknot would do with Stone Sour yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I, I really wanted to do some gigs and we were looking at booking a small club tour. We played our first uh, four shows we did like a little, you know, uh, week long tour. It was so much fun playing the, the songs was just a blast. And so I was excited when this breaking Ben kind of offer came in for skillet. I was like, you know what? This is the cycle. I was trying to do some fury dates. Maybe we can do both. And they allowed us to do both, which I really appreciated. And it's a great opportunity to, for a lot of people to hear the band. So, uh, it's going to be really, it's going to be really fun. I'm excited about it. Are you worried about it taking a toll on your voice or anything? You know, like you're, you got to do that for like 30 minutes. Then you have like sure. a break for, I don't know, like an hour maybe. And then you're yeah, back. come back like and do it again. It's sort of, stri- <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. Like usually when, it I'm, is. when I'm done singing for the night, like I'm done. Not that I can't, but I don't know. I've never tried to sing again. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like your, your mind sort of turns off. Maybe your mind won't because you know you have to do it psychologically, right. but still physically that's yeah. not going to be easy. No, I mean, it is, you're right. It is going to be a little, like, a little extra on there, you know, but it's only 10 shows and, it's a, and it was such a great opportunity. I was like, screw yeah. it. I don't care how hard it is. We're going to do it. And, uh, just go for it, you know? And, and again, that's kind of what I meant when I was saying earlier. Sometimes you just got to put your balls out there, you know? And that's how I <laughs> felt it. But like, you know what? Screw it. And some people might be like, what's going on? Why is he doing two bands? I don't know. You know, um, and, and there's always going to be people that don't get it. But for every show we do, there'll be a few people that do. And I'm going to make them my own. <laughs> Are you going to like change your clothes? Like, how's that going to yeah. work? You're going to have to have like a different wardrobe like a different image like i don't know do you it's just gonna be it's gonna be weird people people that are gonna be clueless about it are gonna walk in and be like wait isn't that the same guy yeah exactly (laughs) i was thinking about maybe i'll wear a fight the fury t-shirt when skillet plays no um yeah no i will i'll change my clothes and and i actually play not not that anyone would ever notice this but i actually play a different bass for skillet i use a different rig as well um so there, there are it's not like it's completely different, but it has its own entity, uh, style, the way the band dresses, and and the sounds are a little different. So I think some of that will help. Uh, I don't know, help help distinguish it a little bit. I hope. 
Absolutely. So what's the next step? I mean, right now you're busy in the studio with Skillet, album number 10. Um, so when does Fight the Fury going to do you know more things? I know you're serious about it. When can people expect a, a full-length record? Yeah. You know, I don't have a, a plan now. The next step now, of course, we're doing the tour you just mentioned, um, is that we in the summer we will be re- releasing the new Skillet record. Um, and then it's it's skillet time, you know, baby, yep. for 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 some measure of time, which I assume would be a couple of years. During that time, I'm I'm planning on recording the the full length Fight the Fury album, and uh, you know I hope after that, provided that it goes well, that I'm able to put it out and and then focus on some Fight the Fury dates. Awesome, awesome, man. That's fantastic. fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't, I don't normally ask this question, uh, but I kind of want to get your take. I think it might be fun. Um, with this being your 10th Skillet record, and you know, you've put out nine studio albums, they're all pretty solid. They're all good records. I don't think there's any duds. They're all a little bit different. Would you be able to definitively rank your records from your favorite to your least favorite? Oh, yeah, I think Would I could. Would you be able actually. to do that? I mean, maybe, you know, you in the five or six slot, you know, it might be difficult to make a, a real choice, but do you yeah. have a favorite, you know, top three, let's say, and maybe the bottom three uh, records that you think they just never popped off or sure. the, the recording process was, you know, n- not the best or, or whatever makes you, you know, your opinion now um, coming into record number 10? how you feel about all these these albums and it's funny as you just said you know as an artist sometimes the reason you like certain records are uh, either not that you're saying it's uh subjectively the best it's just what maybe maybe you enjoyed making it or maybe you hated making it (laughs) and i have both yeah let's see number one for me is comatose uh which was a 2006 release of ours um that was to me when that's when the game changed for Skillet. It was we kind of went from being a a struggling rock act with a cult following to all of a sudden having fans, and that was pretty, you know, that was pretty awesome. We didn't have a radio hit, um, but that was like it was just like that album that would never stop selling. Uh, and right. I think at, on uh, actually on its ten year anniversary, the record went platinum. So it was like a it just would never stop. You Very know? cool. Um, yeah, very yeah, cool. lots of underground fans, and I really loved making the record. It was just a special time to me. Uh, Comatose is my favorite. Number two, I probably have to say, I probably have to say, Awake. Yeah, uh, and that was the record that had our biggest hits huge on it. Huge hit, and right? Monster, a huge hit. Monster was a big one. Yeah, that was, and that's why it's it's actually not my favorite musically, but it's my favorite because. That's the reason my kids can go to college, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. That's I mean, cool. let's just be honest. And then number three, actually, would be my, my latest, which is called Unleashed. Yeah. I actually like Unleashed uh, songs. I actually prefer to Awake. And it was also it was a great process. when We actually teamed up on Unleashed again with uh, the producer that did Comatose. So it, it kind of brought it back around, you know, full circle to... It was it was a fun, really fun album. Yeah, ten really years later, record. right? Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. cool and to then, reconnect with people like that too, and kind of you know you remember making a, a really important record, and you and you know everyone's trying to beat it. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's but not not in like a competitive way, in a fun way. Yeah, yeah. You so always want to go the next step. I mean, if you can, that's what you shoot for, anyway. All right, awesome. Okay, well let's 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 forget about the middle three. Let's go to the bottom three. Let's talk oh, about man. the three that you and I mean okay. most bands I think will probably put their first album at least in one of the bottom three slots. You know what? Funny enough, I, I actually wouldn't. I, oh, I probably, okay. which you're right. That would be normal because usually you're kind of getting your your groundings. You know, for me, let's see. All right, third to last would be. Um. Probably a, a record called. Uh, I probably would put in uh, maybe a record called "Hey You, I Love Your Soul." Right. Is that I your probably second would put album? That, that was my second album. Yeah. yeah, I probably would put that in my number three least favorite. Uh, you know, not that I dislike it. Number two, I would put a record called "Alien Youth." Okay. 
And then number one, funny enough, <laughs> number one worst. Yes, your your w- worst favorite w- w- was actually a successful record. It was two records ago called Rise. Rise would be my number one, and it's not because I think it's bad. I hated making that. Wrote seventy five songs for the album. Wow. It was coming off of the heels of Awake, so you know I always said to myself. Um, I used to always make fun of people when they would be like, man, it was so stressful because, you know, our last record sold 10 million copies. So this time was there was so much pressure. I used to make fun of people like that. Like you sold 10 million records and, and now you have any pressure at all in your life. Right. You know, shut up. Like right. quit complaining. Would that be a great problem? Man, <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't say 10 million, but Awake was a big selling record and uh, the pressure was unbelievable wow. everybody everybody went man awake sold a million records and we really weren't even all that involved let's really write for the next one and and they kept pushing me and pushing me more songs more songs new songs try something new you never tried before and before you know it you have a i had 75 songs you can't even choose 10 songs out of 75 because everybody has different opinions uh, on- that's, that's crazy that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, some of those songs uh, became, you know, staples in the set list, like Sick of It's a song, you yep. know, that you guys play live a lot and stuff. I mean, I- I'm surprised you'd put it that far in the bottom, but I guess it- it's amazing how much the experience of a record can taint oh, or yeah. make, you know, h- your opinion on a record, you know, years, what has it been, five years or so uh, later. Yeah, it's funny because, uh, like I say, it's not like I hate the record and it was successful. Uh, we play couple of the songs lot we played three of the songs live uh not gonna die yeah just just a few months ago actually just got certified as a gold single I, I, and i loved that song in fact not gonna die was the very first song we wrote for the album which you know i think you as an artist can appreciate the irony that the very first song i wrote and turned in for the record that is everybody said gold, wouldn't be yeah. good enough is the only gold single from the record <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sometimes you just want to punch something, but anyway, uh, that's just to say how bad that experience was. And so, yeah, it's it's the one that I can't listen to because when I listen to it, all I can think about is that full. We took a four year break between Awake and Rise because they kept making me ride, and I just really didn't like that process. So it, it kind of tainted it. Absolutely. Uh, dude, John, thank you so much for taking the time, man. I think I just have one more question. And sure, you know, you have two women in your band. Um, you yeah. know, you you had, uh, uh, you know, an old uh, your old drummer Lori retired, and you replaced her with another woman. Is that something important to you to have women, um, you know, in your band? Right. Because I, I think it's a really beautiful thing. Well, uh, you know, truthfully. It wasn't like that to start with, and in fact, uh, again, you remember earlier in an interview, I was some of my naivety about the business. Well, I never knew that me saying I was a Christian band would ever – I didn't know anybody even ever care. Yeah. Um, same thing happened. My wife, Corey, joined the band. We, we were adding keyboards and electronics, and we needed a second guitar player. We added her to the band, and I – I was just stunned at how many people were upset to see a girl on stage. It had never entered my brain. And, and then yeah. when we were, we were looking for a drummer at that time, we had a guy drummer at first. And the, honestly, the coolest drummer that auditioned was a girl. And I, I was like, you know, people kind of don't like it, but I do. I think it's awesome to see yeah. a girl slamming drums. And so the funny thing is, is that, you know, Skillet, uh, We've not been on. We've not broken very many. We haven't trailblazed very much in our career. <laughs> but, but there's a few things we have done before any other hard, most any other hard rock band. I mean, we had a girl drummer before Kitty. You know, yeah. uh, so it was uh, it was something that people really didn't like about us at first. Rock fans were like, "Oh, they got those girls in the band," and and a lot of a lot of uh, rock radio used to say. I don't know. You got girls, and it's just so pos- your music's so positive. And and the funny thing is, is that about eight years after that, all the rock bands started writing positive music. You know, it was uh, <laughs> it was like the new trend was like, oh my gosh, it's so uplifting. And I was like, man, we used to get 
hammered at radio for doing positive music and now apparently uh it's kind of in style i guess so i get maybe that's part of why we we got popular after 12 years of the band i don't uh, know but you know how like the radio can be so, so chauvinistic like you walk in and some guy's making some joke about like it's like dude just shut up you know it's like it's that that side of of uh, and i don't want to I mean, maybe this is the reason my band's never been played on the radio or something but i i just like can't stand that stuff you know yeah well you know i i agree with you in a couple of senses and one of the things that i'm sure you'll be like yeah that's what i'm talking about is for me um again the naivety of it i never cared if a band was christian or or atheist slayers not exactly a christian band (laughs) no uh you know (laughs) manson nine inch um, girls, dudes, I, I don't really care. I just want some really good music. And so the rock was never sex, drugs, rock and roll to me. It was just about hopefully great music that I liked and that yeah. I felt. And so for me, yeah, I agree with you. I was like, I could care. If the girl playing drums isn't good, then that would suck, you know? I don't. But if she's good, then if, then if it's good, it's good, baby. That's kind of how I, I view it. Hell yeah. Awesome. Thank you, man. Uh, thank you for uh, for that answer. So uh, I guess I'll let you go. Um, I'm going to play some music for the people, and I think it only makes sense to be playing a Fight the Fury track. Uh, yeah. Which one would you like me to play for the people? You know, I think the I think we should play Dominate Me. Okay. And I appreciate you doing the interview. Thanks for the press, and I had a great time chatting with you. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was amazing, John. Thank you so much, uh, and I hope to see you around. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Have fun on that double duty on that tour. That's, uh. <laughs> you got it. Take care, man. All right, later. Yeah, cheers.
So there it is with John. What an absolute pleasure it was to talk to him and all the best with him with Fight the Fury, with a new skillet record, number 10, all the touring that they're going to do, continuing to raise his children on the road, which is so cool. And uh, that is just amazing. I want to thank you for listening to this. And please feel free to go back and listen to the other like 160 something episodes that I have up. And um, if you like the show, write a review on iTunes. Check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club for more info. Um, what else? Yeah, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Email me if you want. Call the hate line if you want. It really is all good. Until next time, thanks for listening to this. Thanks for the support. Peace and love. And I will see you next Tuesday. Ha, ha, ha.